Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony and I'm your host. With over a decade in the local church, I care deeply and passionately about helping you connect with Jesus in practical ways. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you Catherine Mack. Catherine Mack is a author, she's a mom, but she's also the leader of a movement called Dwellings. And today we're going to talk about her latest resource, Whole, and it's about the life-changing power of relating to God with all of yourself. We talk about all the different parts of that. She's got such a deep heart for the local church, for disciple-making, for expression of community. I think you're absolutely going to love her. Go follow her on Instagram and also follow their ministry. It's so rich. Hey, if this conversation is a blessing to you, do me a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button and share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know needs to give a little bit more of themselves to God. Somebody who needs to be made whole. And now for my conversation with Catherine Mack. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have author, uh, nonprofit ministry founder, and speaker Catherine Mack with us. Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Love your show, and I'm happy to be on today talking to you. So one of the things that I love to ask people um, before we jump in, because you you have a variety of things that you do. We've got this brand new resource out called Whole. You've got your nonprofit. Of course, you got four kids, and you're doing life. I, I love to ask people, how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? That's a good question. I... I feel like over the years I've learned a little bit more specifically what it is. I I never even thought I'd go into ministry until I just found myself, you know, leading small groups in my 20s to the point that I landed in women's ministry in our local church and then have ended up launching out into nonprofit ministry. But as I've grown older and had more experience, it seems uh, that most of my work fits into the category of pioneering in the church. Mm. And so who has been attracted to our ministry in the past has also tended to be people who are pioneering. And so often they've been creatives that think outside the box a bit and might have even been through a period of deconstruction, as many have, but they don't want to sit there and stay there. They want to actually affect the kingdom and the church and the future church and they're willing to experiment and build new vehicles in order to help uh, specific people get on board and get excited. I love that word, pioneering. Um, and if I could drill down on that a little bit, I, I think there's probably somebody listening right now who's a little, who's like hearing that word and feels a resonation with that. It resonates. Easy for me to say. But um, <laughs> how do you describe pioneering? Like, um, for the normal church person? And how would they know if they're called to be a pioneer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people that tend to be starters, even in their jobs, uh, more entrepreneurial, might be pioneers by nature. There are actually some specific leadership gifts in Ephesians 4, um, apostle, mm. prophet, evangelist, teacher, and shepherd. And All of those are needed in the church, but the apostle um, and even prophet gifting can be more pioneering gifts 
And so often those are the people that are trying to, um, they might find themselves in dream world a bit, uh, focused on the future. And they have just a desire to, if you think about pioneers of the past, would go, you know, in their covered wagons, maybe on a bumpy road to some terrain and check it out in order to come back and tell the people that were on the home front, like, hey, this is maybe some land that we could go to. And I would say for pioneers, a lot of times you almost don't even want to do it because you know the road is going to be a little bumpy and you'd rather stay put. Amen. But you cannot help yourself because you have such a desire for the future. And I think when you marry kind of that maybe gifting with a love for Jesus and the church, you, you find yourself wanting to do that in the church. And um, so I would say a lot of times you it's, there's an inborn thing that can of course be developed, but it's a desire to scope out future terrain. Yeah. And I think actually a lot more people have it than, um, than they want to recognize. Like it's, I, I know in my own life, I was in the local church for a decade before I stepped out into the nonprofit world, uh, running a pretty similar, a parallel kind of type of ministry to what you do. Um, I I think we, we don't give people much permission to step out in faith. So I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit of your story around dwellings and how you knew it was okay to step out in faith and start this parachurch, you know, for the church ministry that is really pushing against institutional norms. Yeah. I I think I had to feel um, permission from scripture and also wise voices in my life um, to know it was okay because in in the local church, there can be a sense when you're charging out doing something like what you're doing, Tony, that maybe you're not loyal or you're Mm. not supportive of the settled um, traditional models that are so important uh, for the strength of the church. And I think we have room to grow in the church to recognize, like I was saying, some of that apostle gifting that probably you have that um, and not view it as a threat or a competition, or um, a rebellion. Like, um, I I know at times I've felt like a bit of a maverick, maybe like I was doing something wrong. But you see in Scripture that there are traditional forms of church that are um, stable uh, bedrocks of communities. And then you do see some apostolic mission such as Paul and a band of his friends going out and creating and planting and starting and encouraging. And that is part of the church too. And it didn't take the traditional form, but he actually, that was the church too, since the church is people. And so really for the health and the vibrancy of the future of the church, you need these real um, steady, almost, Um, I've heard it called uh, like compared to like cedar trees that are rooted Mm. and 
firmly established and can be in place for a hundred years. And you also do need these sent out missions, like the one that you're on, the one I found myself on, um, to encourage growth, creativity, innovation, um, and also include some people in the mission that might not come through the doors of the traditional church. But I've just had to find my permission from scripture, some of Paul's models, and um, the voice of the Spirit just making things clear. Yeah. Um, and having the courage to follow, even sometimes when people didn't understand, you know, why couldn't you just stay leading women's ministry until you retired? Why do you have to go do these new things? And um, I think the answer in the end is because I need to do whatever the Lord is telling me to do and feels like his, his voice is speaking clearly. So yeah, it's, it's been a road and I wouldn't trade it um, at all because I, I feel like I'm getting more, you know, down to the center of who God made me. And um, that's always the best place to be. So yeah, dwellings, uh, birthed out of dwell that Aaron Williams and I, who co-authored this book, founded together. Um, that was a ministry that had pretty much two parts that now we're both um, leading one part of. So it had the kind of bigger um, event of the conference that Aaron will now lead. And then now I lead dwellings, which is the discipleship part of our ministry. And we are creating uh, resources and a community for uh, small groups and house churches. Yeah. I, now I love to talk about discipleship and disciple making. It's my absolute favorite thing in the world. So I was wondering if you could kind of, for our listeners who haven't uh, Instagram stalked you, like I have um, talk a little bit about the four shifts that you're talk, you talk about quite a bit in, um, in dwellings, the four discipleship shifts and kind of how you kind of came to that. Because you say it in a really succinct way, which when you come to disciple making is always hard to do because it's so relational um, that it's really never meant to be succinct. But in the world that we live in, we've got to give quick messages for important Im things that people need to hear. So the four discipleship shifts that you talk about in dwellings, can you kind of elaborate on that for us? Sure. Um, yeah, the first these are basically shifts that, uh, you know, according to conversations we've had with people and needs that we think are there for the future church, these are four shifts that we're making in the way that we do things. And the first one is from complex to simple. We are just creating more things in an age where we're very busy and things are hard to understand. We're pointing back to just the abiding life with Jesus that feels like it's born out of rest. Hmm. That's the first one. The second one is uh, from information to transformation. And so you'll see a lot of these themes in the book uh, that we'll talk about, but it's, it's from, it's considering that our relationship with Jesus is not just an intellectual journey. Yeah. Amen. There's, there's lots of information available to us, uh, but wanting to focus more on how that information actually leads to our, our life changing. Um, the third shift is from individuals to family. And 
you know, that's just keeping in mind that we live in a highly individualistic culture, wanting to curate our own experience, but knowing we can't really be transformed without doing it within a group of people, uh, church, a spiritual family. And then the last one is um, from a culture of uh, spectators, which increasingly we found ourselves in our forms of church being um, a lot of times uh, crowds watching just a few professionals lead from the stage or even from like video driven Bible studies. And it's saying we're wanting uh, with the discipleship that we're creating to involve everyone and their gifts. And that sometimes looks uh, more clunky, but it's how we grow. Um, You know, that was kind of born out of leading women's ministry for lots of years. There were a lot of women that um, you see this with men too, but they had led, you know, video Bible studies for 20 years But if I asked them, hey, could you go pray with this person? They would say, I don't I don't pray out loud. Hmm. I I don't know how to pray with someone. And so there are possibilities right now to just watch a few people doing the thing and not actually dive in and do even the basics of our faith, like praying for someone. And so. It's just wanting to invite interaction. So that's a mouthful, Tony. <laughs> no, but that's listen, the four listen. shifts that, that we're aiming for. It'll take I, a lifetime. I'm, I'm 100% on board with all of that. When I when I first got um, your, your book and kind of started doing the deep dive into what you're all about, it just aligns so well with what we talk about here a lot. And I end every podcast by saying, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move. And it's, it's this very idea that we have to, you know, we got to, we got to do it. We got to get in the game. We got to get involved. So I, yeah. I think it's a message that the church really needs to hear. I, I am curious. Um, I, you know, we're going to get into the book a little bit about, um, there's a lot of juxtaposition in your thought process. So you take a, a common thought or a common one part, and then you kind of pin it up against the next part. Have you always been that kind of thinker, or is it something that's just happened as you uh, have started looking at the church world, or where does this like, hey, there's this and there's that kind of thought process? Where's that born out of in you? Hmm. I think, and that you know. That's also the way that my co-author, Aaron Williams, uh, the way he thinks in a lot of our conversations have gone. So that might come some just from the partnership we've had in creating oh, sure. things. I think it's born out of maybe growing up like many of us. I don't know if you feel this way. Um, feeling like in the past I've been pretty black and white yeah. about things. And, and the harm that that's caused myself and even others when I've said, I can't really see the other side or the juxta- juxtaposition and growth coming from seeing now there, there is black and white. Of course, there's black and white in scripture. There's black and sure. white about our faith, but also there's lots of gray and there's lots of room to grow from different voices. And so I think it's probably out of that thought pattern of wanting to grow 
in ways that don't feel uh, divisive and are open to more expansive learning from the other side. Um, just realizing that my thoughts are limited and I need to consider something and, and people beyond me. That's probably where it came, came from. But also my co-author, Aaron Williams, he's very uh, known to think that way. So that, that's some of his influence. I, I wanted to talk about co-writing a book like this with somebody because <laughs> you, you guys, um, to my listeners, you guys should go pick up a copy of the book. But uh, basically in, in the book, you guys drop in with stories from your own life in here. Yeah. And it's not, I, I've co-written a book with somebody before and it was very different. We each had a section, we just wrote our section and then we handed it off to the next section. You guys are much more intertwined in the way that you did it. And it's, it's super impressive and really well done. Talk to me a little bit about that process of um, writing everything together is the way it looks like. I don't, I don't know if it actually right. happened like that, but that's the way it feels. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was easier than I would have thought. We kind of wondered going into it. It all happened in a, a shared Google Doc. Okay. So we weren't sitting down, you know, in the same room for most of the time. Um, I think Aaron and I have a unique working relationship in that we like to um, be edited and to also edit the other person's stuff. So a lot of times, you know, I, I guess there was a general outline that we agreed on. And uh, we did something that Malcolm Gladwell, I don't know if you've read his stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. Something that, you know, we heard him say as far as like how to make book writing easier. He mentioned like underneath a section or chapter having a lot of subtitles hmm. that contribute to that main idea and considering each of those like a blog entry. Okay. And so then when you sit down, like you get your outline, you get your subtitles. And then every time you sit down, you, you're kind of like, I'll, I'll just write a blog. And that makes it easier to tackle. And so we did that and had our subtitles and basically would each take, you know, the ones that mattered most to us. And then we ordered them and kind of meshed it all together and then really picked on each other's parts. That's so, great. And you guys are still friends. Yeah, still friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was one time he got slightly mad at me for making too many changes that we couldn't go back and and uh, see the original document uh, toward the end. <laughs> but we're still friends, and it was it was very fun. I mean, it was it was easier. It was half easier. Um, just writing half. It, it wasn't. It was a great experience. So. Yeah, that's how we handled it. How'd you handle it? With you? So you just took like a whole chapter and that person took a whole chapter? Well, so we, we um, it was me and my spiritual father. So a, a guy who I was deployed with to Minnesota, his name's Charles Causey. He and I spent the weekend in, um, we, we picked a, a random town halfway between where I was and he was stationed in DC at the time. We locked ourselves in a room and we came up with, Kind of like what you said, right? We came up with different parts of – it's a marriage book because when he and I were doing ministry together, we were doing 
marriage retreats for soldiers coming back from deployment. And so mm-hmm. um, we, we kind of just broke it up and kind of outlined where we needed to get to. And then we just, we, we literally just assigned topics. Right. And so it was like, here, here's the format for each chapter. Here's the personal story that you're going to write. Here's the intro to the topic that you're going to write. And, and then we each had our section. So it's, it's really not that different than what you said in terms of blogs. Um, we, that first weekend together in a really bad hotel in Charleston, West Virginia, <laughs> is forever one of our favorite stories. And, uh, but I don't, it's not, it would be not ideal for most writers to do that together. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, I think that, I mean, obviously you have to like be willing to work through issues you have along the way, but one of the most important things with co-writing is, which it sounds like you, you guys were, you're heading in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. You have similar thoughts because I think it would be a train wreck if you hated the way that person thought or wrote or you didn't like their conclusions. You couldn't do it. One of my favorite thoughts from your book that you begin and end with is this idea of breathing and inhale and exhale. And it's it's just a beautiful representation I'm kind of hoping that you might introduce the idea, kind of the the big picture uh, viewpoint of the book by talking a little bit about that idea. Yeah. Well, the book, if we haven't said it yet, is called Whole. And the tagline is, it's the life-changing power of relating to God with all of yourself. Mm -hmm. And... I know for me, it's been based out of a journey and for Aaron too, where, you know, there, there have been times of spiritual dryness where we've wondered like, you know, where's God? Why is he not here or speaking or, or whatever? And and that can be true. Um, sometimes he is quiet for a season, but also, um, it's realizing over the years that there have been parts of myself that I have held back from him. So sometimes the distance isn't on God's end. It's been on, it's been on mine. And so the premise um, is that many of us are coming to him with half of who we are. Like I think about the journey my husband's been on and he two years ago realized he had his emotions completely cut off from God. Mm. He was coming to him with his head, um, but not with his actual feelings or the frustrations of his day. I have a similar experience. Um, But we mentioned breathing in and breathing out because when you inhale and you exhale, like they're both part of the process. And, and none of us are going to be crazy enough to say like, Oh, I'm, I'm an inhaler. That's what I do. Or I'm an exhaler. And it's almost as ludicrous to say like, I'm going to come to God with, um, my, my head and my intellect, but I'm going to hold back my frustrations and my sadness and my joy from him and have that compartmentalized. So, as ludicrous as it is to only inhale or only exhale, we have four more pairs of words in the book um, that we talk about. And when you look at it, when you look at it in scripture, it's really just as ludicrous to um, come to him with um, 
with half of ourselves in, in many ways. So yeah, the book walks through, you know, head and heart, truth and spirit, being and doing, and words around our identity, sinner and saint, and um, talks about how, you know, we can lean on half of those words and also have some um, growth in um, how we approach God. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Catherine to ask you to do me a huge favor. Would you take a minute right now, even less than a minute really, and just leave a rating or review on iTunes? I read every single one of them and they mean the absolute world to me. Um, It's such a great way to get the word out about what God is doing on this platform. Uh, Not too long ago, Mark wrote, excellent talks that offer hope and help to live closer to Jesus in our lives and all the joys and sorrows we face. Somebody else wrote, I love being on the show and uh, (laughs) enjoy being a listener as well. Man, I'm just so thankful for all of these ratings and reviews. They mean the world to me. They really do help get the word out. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Catherine. I found the words to be very uh, pointed, right? So they're all words that are very familiar in my cat- in my vocabulary, growing up in the church and doing ministry. Um, I, here's one thought that I had as I was looking at all of this. How, how do I know if I'm only going halfway with God? Yeah. Well, I think that's that's what we dive in Um on in the book is, is helping you identify where you might be holding back. And sometimes it is hard, you know, it's kind of like decorating your own house or um, knowing if your clothes look good on you, like it's, it's hard <laughs> on yourself. So it can be helpful to have these conversations in, in community, but we do walk through in the book, how our personalities and just the way we're wired often will have us lean one way or the other. Um, we talk about how our denominational backgrounds mm-hmm. influence probably um, where we are and what we're holding back. For instance, you know, if you grew up in a, let's take the category of truth and spirit. If you grew up in a Bible church with really good Bible teaching like I did, um, you might not have had as much experience with uh, growing in the spirit, being filled with the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. Um if you grew up in a charismatic tradition in a different family, you might be on the other side, but sometimes we don't stop and think because we're just Mm. in our own part of the church in our own personalities to say, you know what, maybe there is, I guess to use earlier language, like more terrain out here with God and more ways to experience him than I have. And I just haven't realized it. Like it's, it's subconscious, um, because of my experience and because of my makeup. But yeah, I mean, when we walk through, we ask some questions like, you know, what's your denominational background? What are your tendencies? Like, do you, do you, let's say truth and spirit, like, do you like the facts? Do you tend to like experience? Do you, um, enjoy learning? Do you enjoy, um, relationship? Like there are, personality preferences, and also just environmental things that contribute to all that. Yeah, I think um, I think it's so good to recognize my own baggage in my relationship with the Lord. 
like, and, and how much yeah. it, it just plays a role in cultural theology. You, you mentioned the four sections and uh, I was kind of curious to ask which, which one do you struggle with the most? Yeah. I think, whoo, there's four categories and I have a struggle in each of them. <laughs> can I walk through, can I walk through all of them really sure. quickly? Yeah, that'd be great. We got plenty of time. We don't even have to go. Yeah, quickly. I, I would say like, um, the head and heart, that section one, I have struggled more, uh, to know God with my heart. Just my, my background has been um, a, a great learning environment with lots of teaching of uh, the word. But I somehow came to the point where church felt a bit more like school. Yeah. And um, I think coming to him with my emotions and uh, loving God, um, knowing him instead of just knowing about him, that's been more of a struggle. Um, when truth and spirit, that set of words, um, that are somewhat related, I have, have had gaps in experience, the, experiencing the spirit, um, mm-hmm. and have learned more and more in recent years about what that means to be literally filled and empowered and dominated by the spirit. But that's been more where I needed to grow. Um, being and doing, um, I'm naturally more of a doer. So I've had to learn how to pull back and Sabbath and retreat with the Father like Jesus yeah. did. And then sinner and saint, I mean, for sure, that category, which talks about our identity, I have been more acquainted with the fact that I'm a sinner in need of Jesus, which is very, very true. And I I remember the first time that I heard maybe five years ago that in the new Testament that he never calls believers. Jesus never calls believers and scripture never calls believers sinner as an identity statement. Like definitely we still sin, but he calls us, you know, saints, the priesthood, brothers, sisters. And I remember the first time I heard that I had to go look through um, the word and it was, it was almost abrasive to me Hmm. because I'm very comfortable thinking like I'm just nothing in filthy rags in light of him because I want God to be big in my life, but to learn that he's positioned me differently and called me a, a new name, a different name and a saint um, in his priesthood, like it, it's, it's unbelievable to me, but I I would say I'm still just like a little infant in that category, trying to understand what in the world that means. I really appreciate your vulnerability in each of the sections. It, it honestly, if whenever listeners, you decide to dive into this book, you're not going to find it hard to, you're going to know pretty quickly which way you you lean. It's not, um, you don't need to take a big, long test or anything. Uh, (laughs) Um, um, what about you? Oh, me. Did any of those? Yes, absolutely. All of them instantly. Um, I really struggle with, um, the head part, right? Like I, I'm a, I'm a heart guy by nature. So, I want to feel the presence of the Lord more than anything. 
Um, but being intentional about it sometimes is hard for me. Yeah. So the spirit and truth one's really interesting because, uh, I work in a very charismatic ministry and so, uh, but I'm the least charismatic person on the team. Um, I grew up Catholic as my listeners know. So the spirit part is, is an area where I'm always trying to grow into and operate and be spirit led and all that jazz. Um, I really struggle with being, and I really struggle with saint as well. Those would be, I'm just that like, Hey, let's take the hill. Let's, you know, and I'm really okay with being a wretch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. But the thought of being a saint that doesn't resonate at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are some that have been, they've grown up with that language more and, you know, where they have to grow is knowing, yes, I am part of his kingdom, but sure. this side of heaven, I'm still sinning and I need to confess that in community. And so, yeah, as strange as that is for you, it's strange for someone else in the church, the other direction. Um, I had a full gospel so army. I had a full gospel army chaplain who only called his church saints. Yeah. Come on saints. You know, and, and he was, uh, yeah. You know, he, he was African-American, very expressive. He's one of my spiritual fathers. I just love him to death. Um, and uh, he, he just, he sees the body of saints, and that's what he sees when he looks out in the church where, you know, in the Catholic church where I grew up, like, that's more like, hey, I see a body of sinners, and let's all go be redeemed by his grace. And, yeah. uh, you know, and now I, you've got four kids. I'm curious, and I love to steal good tools and tips. So how are you talking about what it means to be whole with your kids? I also know that, you know, family church or house church model is super important to the work that you do, um, where you not only get to be the lead pastor in that environment, you also get to be the children's minister, the discipleship pastor and everybody else. How are you talking to your kids about this and other people's kids? Yeah. I mean, the way we parent is less by teaching and more walking alongside our kids. And, you know, we're, we're, (coughs) sorry, we're learning from one another, but, um, I think it's just talking about these things all the time. Um, head and heart, (laughs) you know, I, I think about, um, my son who probably isn't comfortable with, um, communicating even let's just take God out of it. Like with us about his emotions, Mm. it's helping him name those things with us, even maybe before he learns to name them with God. Um, with, you know, we, we've had talks about slowing down and Sabbath with another kid that's really busy, um, to talk about being versus doing. And then, um, we've, our whole family has been growing a lot in the spirit, what it means to follow the spirit. So, um, it, that might be, I'm thinking about some conversations I've had with my daughter, who's a senior in high school, um, around friendships and instead of giving her advice or truth, um, just asking her like, why don't you go for 10 minutes and just ask the Lord to, 
help you with a conversation you need to have, ask the mm. spirit to guide you. So it's more in their, you know, how it intersects their lives than it is teaching. And that kind of aligns with a lot of the ministry that you're doing everywhere else too, right? Like that's just the model walk alongside them, which is beautiful. Yeah. yeah I think that makes sense. Well, you have, you have a lot of that heartbeat too, don't you? I do. Yeah, I do. That's, yeah. I just think that the best way that we can experience God is in community and together and, you know, that kind of, you know, and, well, this is not a podcast about that, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but I, I really, I really do believe that we, we spend a lot of time looking at the words of Jesus, which are super important, but we spend a lot less time looking at the actions of Jesus, which I think are equally important. Yeah. And what I yes. see in your ministry and in this writing is a call to the actions of Jesus, the wholeness of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, like the conversation that we just had, I'm hoping there will be small groups of people that will walk through this together. Just kind of like what you're saying, like do it together because I'm sure you've been in a lot of groups. I know I have been, um, where we spend a lot of time talking about like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, which is like, Hey, what's, what's my personality and what's your personality. And that's super, I love, I love knowing that. And so this is, you know, can have a similar flavor, like the conversation we just had, but it's, it's kind of cool to know, okay, Tony, how do you relate to God and how can I encourage you in that? Not just your personality and how can you know where I'm, where my strengths are? And where my gaps are, so you can encourage me in community. That's it's it's got some similarities to the personality test, um, just in the feel, but it's a different type of conversation that I hope will be helpful in the church. I, I uh, I'm curious if you could cast a vision for us just a little bit about what happens when we begin to relate to God with our whole self. Yeah. Well, I get really excited about Second Chronicles sixteen nine, and that verse says the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show Himself strong for those who are holy, with a W, devoted mm-hmm. to Him. And I, you know, there's there's two things that are always going on in our life with Jesus and. One is he's pursuing us and coming after us. And there's also um, the ability that we have to shut that out and to quench the spirit and to say no um, or to come to him. And so what I see in that verse is he is looking, his eyes are roaming all over the earth to find people who are coming to him whole Mm. saying, here I am all of myself. And so there's a response like God is looking and his eyes land on us when we're saying, here I am all of me. And so what do I see? I, I'm like, I see a future where if there are people that are totally sold out and, and coming full bodied and whole to him, um, 
He's looking for those people. I mean, don't you want his eyes to land on you when he's, his eyes are roaming throughout the earth? And so I see renewal. Yeah. I mean, when we come to him, he doesn't, that's a big thing for him. He's looking around for, for people who are coming to him whole. And it says he will show himself strong for those. He'll be there for us. He will, he will do amazing things. So I, I think we'll see, um, we'll see renewal in our own lives. And, and I, and I think we'll be the place where his eyes rest when he's looking and there could be no greater joy than that. Yes, please. I'll take more of that. Wherever that is, I'll take more of that. That's, that's an amen. That's an amen. Um, okay, Catherine, I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, uh, I know my listeners are going to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where is the best place to learn all things Catherine Mack? And I'm sure that this was a two book deal. So tell us about the second book, if you know already. Oh, I don't know the second book. (laughs) I, I have ideas, but I know it's a one big deal. So, um, there will be another one. I know that. Um, so, uh, cat Mac with a little underscore in between. And then my, my last name has two A's, which is very, very different. K A T underscore M A A C K is me. And then the ministry is dwellings on Instagram. And so that's dwellings without the vowels D W L L N G S. That's the ministry um, that I'm leading for uh, small groups and house churches. And we'll link to all that, of course, on the show notes. Great. And then uh, the book website, too, we'll link there, which I think is Behole. Is that it? Dot com? Read. Read Hole. Read Hole. Excuse me. Read Hole. Dot com. Great. Fantastic. We'll link to all of that in the show notes if you guys want to get connected with Catherine. Okay, last question I always love to ask people. <laughs> okay. It's an advice question. Um, and I ask you to go back and give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. So I'm going to ask you to go back to um, the day that you left your church job to step out in faith in this new season. If you could pull up a chair in front of that younger version of yourself, sit knee to knee with her, hold her hands, look her in the eyes, and give her one piece of advice, what are you going to tell her? He's going to come through. Hmm. That's good. He's going to come through. I'm in a similar season right now. Tony, I am not only about to launch this book, but our ministry is launching out house church resources to either two or 2,000 people. I have no idea what's on the other side. (laughs) and I feel so much like I want to hide and I feel unsure of myself and it has been a battle over the last few weeks. Now, what I will say over the last few months is I've heard very clearly from the Lord on all of these things, but right before Hmm. I launch anything, And right before there's something that's a big new step, like when I was launching from the church, I felt slightly sick to my stomach, even though God had shown me that was the way to go. So I would also tell that person, which is what I'm telling myself again, precisely right now, 
just because this is uncomfortable and you're experiencing some warfare um, does not mean it's not right. And whatever you heard from the Lord and whatever he's impressed on your heart, go ahead and he's going to come through. I left my job at the church when I we were about to send our first kid to college and we don't, we didn't have the money to send them to college without my job. And I will tell you that the week after I got my paycheck, um, annual paycheck delivered by someone to my front door that had no idea how much I made. Wow. But I had to leave with a feeling in the pit of my stomach that was like, you're so irresponsible Mm. because your daughter's about to go to college and battling through all kinds of warfare in the weeks prior to follow through with what God showed me. But I would go back and tell myself, that's normal. Don't doubt what you heard. And he will come through. Over and over. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's so good. Thank you so much for your time and generosity today. Thank you for your heart for the local church and for what you and your ministry are doing. I just, uh, I want you to know that we're on the same heartbeat. So whenever, if you ever have something launched and you want to come back out and talk about it, let's talk about more disciple making anytime you want. Well, Tony, I, I feel it. And as I'm looking at your ministry, I do feel so much synergy. And it's just, it's fun that we have this ability to connect across towns and states and ever what the Lord's doing. It's, it's confirming and encouraging for me too. Man, I told you what a great conversation with this uh, disciple maker and someone who just loves the whole church. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to take this self-assessment to learn how you relate to God. And you can learn more by going to her website, readhole.com. Read, W-H-O-L-E.com. I'm so thankful for the community that we're building here for each and every one of you and for the way God's working in it and through it. Finally, guys, remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.